Friends, if you'd open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 11, we'll find our first passage of Scripture in our sermon series, A Whoville Christmas, answering the who's of Christmas. One, thank you. Matthew one. I'm sure there's eleven in there somewhere, but it's one. C.S. Lewis said, "In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down to the very roots and seabed of the nature He has created, but goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined." world with him. We believe, based on what the Bible says, that God created the heavens and the earth, and God created everything in it, including humanity. Man and woman, in his own image, he created them, Scripture says, from the very beginning in Genesis 1 and 2. Yet, in his image, humans had free will, and Free will, the ability to choose to worship Him or not. Freedom, moment by moment, decision by decision, to obey and follow Him or not. And so Adam and Eve ate. And sin entered the world and death through sin. And not just physical eternal death, but or not just physical death, but eternal death separating humanity from God, our creating, preserving, redeeming God. A great gulf had been laid between humanity and God. And God knew that he had to do something to reunite, to save the pinnacle of his creation, those made in his image. And so Jesus, his one and only son, perfect and sinless, the very agent of creation himself would become the redeemer of all creation. The Son of God would become the Son of Man. But how? Jesus would be born of a woman. And God needed human parents. But who? What type of Man, what type of woman would just anyone do to be the earthly parents of Jesus? Or because of these exceedingly once in all creation circumstances, did God need two people that were extraordinary? Or maybe it was just that they were so ordinary. Who? Did God choose to parent Jesus? We seek to examine the character of Joseph and Mary today and see how God used them in an epic, world-changing way and find out, are there any lessons for us? Any lessons about our need to submit to God's will? About God's sovereignty and about His love and about our obedience and about our character? And so we have this Whoville Christmas story of character for everyone. Character is who you are. And it's a story of how character counts. 
of how God, though he can by his sovereignty use anyone, he chooses to use people of character to accomplish his will. Therefore, those people, realizing that God has worked through him, will give him glory rather than say, I did this myself. Look at me. And so we seek to look at Mary and Joseph today. We have our scripture memory verse of the month that we'll review that points us to being God's children. And that's John 1.12. Let's say it together. John 1.12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John 1.12. Pray with me. Father, we're reminded of the promise of John 1.12 that you gave us the right to be called your children if we receive Jesus, if we believe that Jesus is your son. And we're humbled by the very fact that our sinfulness, you would choose us. And Father, we seek to understand today what we can learn from Joseph and from Mary, and how by your Holy Spirit you would teach each and every one of us who you desire us to be. So speak to us now, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and following, let me read for you. Our first point on our outline And I made the mistake of going ahead. Forgive me. The first point on the outline for you to write down is Joseph's godly character. Joseph's godly character. And we find that in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. That this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. but But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will give and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph's godly character starts with the idea that he was righteous to be chosen. That there was a righteousness about Jesus that God knew because God knows all of us. God, as he is omniscient and ubiquitous, knows all of us and sees all of us and knows every thought we think and action we perform and word we say, and he does it all at the same time because he's God. And he knew the character of Joseph. 
You notice what it says there in verse 19. Because Joseph, was her husband, was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. When Scripture calls you righteous, I'm pretty sure you're righteous. Amen? And I can call you righteous and you're like, oh, thanks, Pastor Aaron. That's nice of you. But when holy inspired scripture calls you righteous, we can be pretty sure it's the real deal. That there was character in Joseph that was right, that was honorable, that did what God said. Now, his righteousness is even exampled by what follows there in verse 19. And he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace and he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Keep in mind it refers to him as a husband. But if you don't know, in those days you were betrothed and it was like you were husband and wife. And the commitment of betrothal took a divorce to break. However, they had no union as husband and wife yet in a physical sense. Nor did they live together as husband and wife yet. So there's this period of betrothal, right? Different than our engagement. So that's why it's okay that it refers to him as a husband. But because he was a righteous man, he could have, as a righteous man, following the letter of the law, said, shame on that Mary. What did she do? Who has she been hanging around with? Not with me. And she didn't keep her commitment to me. And he had every right to divorce her. But, There's a righteousness that's deeper than just right and wrong, is there not? There's a righteousness that has to do with the way your heart is changed. That you seek to demonstrate love beyond the letter of the law. And that's what you see Joseph doing here. Joseph wanted to be righteous and gracious and loving to Mary. No matter what in his mind he may have conceived that she had done. Because... He's not quite believing that this could have happened just yet. God calls us to righteousness. Now, the second thing we notice about Joseph is that he was determined to do right. So he was righteous to be chosen, but he was determined to follow out that righteousness and to do the right thing. Not just the right thing, letter of the law, but the right thing to Honor Mary, the right thing to serve God and obey Him, no matter the cost. Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And here's the bomb, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, imagine if you're Joseph. You're doing your normal daily stuff, and an angel shows up. How do you know he's an angel? Because everybody in the Bible, when an angel shows up, people know they're an angel. I mean, it's clear. Most of the time, the first thing the angel says is, fear not. to him, here's what you're supposed to to him, a dream. But he knew it was an angel, speaks to him. And the angel says to him, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take her as your wife. Joseph could still be sitting there with folding arms going, I'm not so sure about that because she's... But then the next part. It's conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. He's going to save his people from their sins. And immediately Joseph's mind goes back to the lesson he learned in synagogue sometime about the Messiah, about the Savior. 
that this Messiah, this Savior would come from this place. And this is how you would know he was God's child. And this is what his name would be. And all these things start tumbling through his mind. And he thinks, oh, my betrothed is going to be the mother of our Savior. And God has chosen me to be the earthly father of our Savior. He could still say, I'm sorry, God, too big of a task. I've got my free will. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to divorce Mary. You did a good enough job conceiving a baby in her. You're supernatural. You can let her take care of herself. Thanks, God, but I'm out. Not Joseph, however. He was a righteous man, and he was determined to do the right thing. Notice verse 24. When he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do, took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth, and he gave him the name Jesus, just like the angel said to do. Joseph was determined to do the right thing, no matter the cost to him, no matter the cost to Mary, no matter what people said, no matter that they wouldn't understand. He was determined to do right. Look at the third thing about Joseph's godly character. That third thing was that he was courageous to obey. He was courageous to obey. The angel had gone on and said to him in verse 22, or excuse me, the commentator says, uh, the writer Matthew in verse 22, that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And so this is quoting Isaiah seven fourteen of Jesus, written 700, 800 years before Jesus was born. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will give him the name Emmanuel, which means God of the Lord had commanded. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. He named him Jesus. He had no union with her. He did just what God had said with courage. For us to look back on it, it seems easy. It's textbook. It's, oh yeah, we've heard the Christmas story before. But imagine yourself in the role of Joseph. Imagine giving an opportunity for something like this. Plato said that courage is knowing what not to fear. If you're Joseph in this situation, and you can fear what your community and what your family is going to think because your wife showed up pregnant before she's supposed to, Or you could fear the messenger of God, the angel who tells you your wife is conceived by the Holy Spirit, not another man on the side. And oh, by the way, your son is going to be the savior of the world. Which one are you going to choose to fear? I don't know about you, but so often it's all too easy for me to choose what other people think is the thing that I fear. Rather than choose to fear God and therefore obey God and do what He says. Courage is knowing what not to fear. Not to fear other people, but to have fear, reverence, obedience to God and what He's called us to. 
a pioneering pastor in Central America, Pastor Choco, said this. He says, courage is an inner resolution to go forward despite obstacles. So here was Joseph choosing not to fear men, but choosing to fear God. But he could see all the obstacles ahead of him of what people would say, of what people would do, of how they would be treated in their community. And if this child is God's son and I'm his earthly dad, how imperfect am I? And how am I going to parent a kid like this? If he's supposed to be sinless and I'm sinful, God, what are you thinking? I can't do this. But Joseph had the courage to obey. Your summary statement of Joseph says that Joseph was humble and trusted God. Joseph was humble and trusted God. I don't think he was fearful like I can't believe God's doing this, but humble in a genuine way. I can't believe God's doing this and I've got to depend on him or else this isn't going to happen. Because we see in those hints of his character, his righteousness, his determination, his courage, that he would trust God for the right reasons. And this is one of the reasons that God chose Joseph to be the earthly father of Jesus. Mary. Your second major point on your outline takes us to Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, where we hear of Mary's godly character. Mary's godly character. Winston Churchill is attributed to have said, The hand that rocks the cradle steers the nation. That a mother may be the most powerful, influential force in any person's life. And so, not only was Joseph and his character essential for God's plan, but of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Luke 1, 26-38 says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, keep in mind, this is Luke writing. Our previous was Matthew. These were different guys. They knew each other. But, and they shared some similar sources and uh, their stories. But their writing is inspired by the Holy Spirit, so they tell the story a little differently. So Matthew's told us about Joseph. Luke tells us about Mary. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary does what any of us would do. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel of the Lord said to her, and here's those words, Do not be afraid, Mary. You will find, have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will uh, give him a throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born and you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. 
There's a few things about Mary's character we see as well. And the first one is that she was honorable to be chosen. You know what honorable is. Because God has wired you to have an innate respect for people that are honorable. When you see someone conduct themselves in an honorable way, there's something within you that says, this person is different. This is a person I should listen to. This is a person I should follow. This is a person I should respect. And no matter their stature, no matter their age, there's something about that person that you say, yeah, this person is honorable. So the angel comes to Mary and God in his sovereignty knew the character of Mary and he calls it out in her and he says, you who are highly favored, he's saying, you're honorable and God is honoring you to choose you to do something that only one person in all of history is going to get to do and that's to be the mother of the Savior of all humanity. And just to make sure that you can trust everything else that's coming. And why I'm telling you this, the angel adds that phrase, the Lord is with you. You have been honorable, and God has been with you because you are honorable. Because you're honorable, you've been with God. Because, and so on, and so on, and so forth. Verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Because she was honorable, because she was a person of character, God chose her. Your second point there about Mary is that she was honest in her consideration. There are times when confronted with something that we um, say the right thing even though we don't feel it, right? Or maybe it's that we say the wrong thing because we're not courageous enough to say the right thing. So when Mary is confronted in verse 28, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Her inner thinking was honest. She was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I'd like to see the look on Mary's face when the angel shows up. You know, was it, or was it, what are you talking about, angel? I mean, what was she thinking when she was greatly troubled and wondered what kind of greeting this might be? But she was honest in her consideration because as the angel tells her, Mary, here's what's going to happen. A baby's going to be conceived in you. You're going to be the mother and, um, you know, the son of the Most High God. And he's going to be the Messiah, the Savior. All these images there in verse 30, 31, and 32 were tick, 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 tick in Mary's mind of this is the Messiah. I'm going to be the mom. But then she is honest enough to say in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? I don't think it's that she doubted God. She's going, hey, God, there's, or, hey, angel, there's something here that you're left out, man. I know by nature that babies only happen one way. And I know by my character as an honorable person 
that I hadn't done that before. And so, God, if we're going to keep going like we're supposed to as honest, honorable, obedient people, me and Joseph, for you to conceive this child in me, how's this going to happen, God? It was an honest question. We live in a world that longs for honesty, don't we? We got too much false information and stuff going on out there. Even Mary, however, asked that honest question. The third thing I notice about Mary's character is that she was courageous to submit herself. I'm guessing that she too could have said, Hey, Mr. Angel, that's nice of you to pick me. I'm honored in everything. But you said the baby to be born or to be conceived. If he's not conceived yet, I'm out, buddy. Go pick another lady, all right? This job is too big for me. I'm just Mary of Nazareth. I'm a teenager. And Joseph's a great guy. And I trust you, God, but I can't do this. Yet she was courageous. God said to her through the angel in verse 37, those famous words, for nothing is impossible with God. And I love Mary's reply. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I wonder how much different my life would be, how much different your life would be if every time God reveals his will to us through scripture, through a dream, through a pastor, through a friend, through a song, through a thought, if we would always answer like Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said, God, I trust you. I'm not exactly sure how you're going to make this happen, God, but because I have an honorable character, and even though I'm honest about all the obstacles in front of you, I have the courage to believe that you are God, and you can make happen in me what you have said will happen, whether I believe it or not. God, with you, nothing is impossible. Do I believe it? Do I have the courage to trust in you? I know a young lady who years ago was raped on a date. That was the first time she had ever had an encounter with a man and she conceived a child. And that very first time, a horrible time in which she didn't choose to participate. When it was found out that she was pregnant, I'll never forget her response. People were saying, you should have an abortion. You should give the baby up for adoption. And even though she was just 16 years old, she said to her mother and father, you can help me. We can do this. Our family is the best family to raise this baby in, no matter what anybody else says. Courage in the face of adversity, the face of fear, questions. What will other people say? What will other people think? How will I make it? None of those questions were answered, but the one question that young lady determined with courage 
that no matter how that child was conceived in her, that God had a purpose for that child's life. And I'll never forget her saying to me, Aaron, God has a plan. I don't know what this baby will be, but God knows what this baby will be. I can't imagine ending this baby's life or giving this baby away, this 16-year-old lady said to me. That baby is my nephew. He's 29 now. He's a good guy. Maybe not the best guy. But he's a good guy. And God has a plan for his life. Just like he does each and every one of you. God chose Mary because of her character. Honorable. Honest, courageous, but Mary was humble, and she trusted God. She was humble and trusted God that no matter what she thought, no matter what the obstacles she knew, she believed God would take care of her, her husband, and her baby. In application of our message today, we have to consider our own godly character. We don't have a scripture to read here about us in particular, because your scripture would be different than my scripture, and what God has revealed to you about who you are and what he's called you to be and to do. But you do have a conscience to discern. And you do, if you're a believer in Jesus, have the Holy Spirit within you to reveal to you individually what he wants you to be and to do in response to a message like this today. So we have to ask some questions. And the first one is, what are my noticeable character qualities? Melanie and John Mark went to Walgreens the other day. Just a trip to Walgreens. And John Mark was telling his mama what he was going to do at Walgreens. And Melanie said something along the lines of, we're not in a hurry. We don't have to rush. And John Mark, in his 11-year-old wisdom, said, well, you married the wrong person. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> The mouths of children, huh? He speaks truth. What can you say? I never like to be in a rush, but I hate to be late, man. So I'm like, let's go. Let's get there. I, I tell myself and I tell the kids and, you know, tell Melanie, all right, we're 10 minutes, five minutes, we got to leave. But then I'm like, let's go, let's go. I learned that from Coach Sandy Staples. Carl, you know how some of those things are just emblazoned from certain coaches. I'll just never forget Coach Sandy Staples down there like this. Let's go, let's go, let's go! 
I can see his face, I can hear his voice, and God bless him, he's a friend on Facebook even today. I guess I'll have to tell him I named him in my sermon today and tell him to listen. Coach Staples is a good man, a believer in Jesus. Beyond the fact that I sometimes rush people, what about you? What are your noticeable character qualities? Maybe not your bad habits, right? But habits and behaviors flow from character and demonstrate character. If you were to make a list of your character qualities, what would they be? If you were to ask others who know you well to make a list of your character qualities, what would they be? Family, friends, co-workers, neighbors? And then you'd have to ask yourself, are those godly character qualities or not? Or do I sometimes, oftentimes demonstrate selfish or sinful character qualities. Your next question asks, what can I learn from Mary and Joseph? You're not Mary, you're not Joseph, although I think a few of you here are named Mary or Joseph. You're not that Mary or Joseph. And you're not in a situation where God's going to conceive Jesus in you because Jesus already came. But what can we learn from them? about character, about humility, about surrender, about courage, about trust, about faith. Specifically, in those certain aspects, is there something about Joseph's righteousness or determination? Something about Mary being honorable and honest and courageous that you can learn? We had the privilege yesterday of attending Miss Arusha Aaron's funeral. Miss Arusha passed away just months after turning 90 years old, and she was a saint. You could tell by the genteel, courteous way in which she would greet you that she was a lady of decorum, and you assumed a lady of character. And I had spent time in their home and visited with them and been there when Miss Arusha's husband, Fred, had passed away, and of course, knowing Daphne and Silvana and who they are and how they conduct themselves among us here in our church. But to hear memories of Arusha's life from various folks yesterday and to go, oh my, she did what? Here was this little Indian lady living in Pakistan who was charged with, this was my favorite story, Daphne said she had 16 pages of stories and her sister said, you can't tell 16 pages of story. About 10 minutes into telling story, I lean, over, or I lean over to Sandra, you know, the younger sister who's not a member of our church. I said, how many pages of stories does she still have? Sandra says, I think she got it down to nine. I'm like, whew. Not that it was bad because they were great stories. So Daphne in her Daphne way with her arm motions and just very animated was telling the story about her mother being a, um, in charge of a polling station in a free and fair election in the new Pakistan that had just been partitioned from India and how some thugs from a political party came in and threatened to take the ballot boxes so they could, you know, sway the election or whatever. And they say, Daphne said, my mother standing there with her sari just stood in front of the boxes, kind of spread her sari out and said, we have no ballot boxes here. They've already gone. 
So the thugs left. They quickly piled the ballot boxes into the back of a co- uh, car driven by a chauffeur that was to meet them out inside the back door. As they're proceeding out to the street, the thugs see them with the ballot boxes, surround the car, and then are demanding to give them the ballot boxes. And Miss Arusha Era, this sweet little Indian lady, is giving orders to these men, and we will not give you these boxes and so on. The men pick up the car. The driver says to Miss Arusha, what should we do now? Miss Arusha says, they'll get tired eventually and put the car down. And when they do, step on the gas. I don't care who gets hurt. Sure enough, they put the car down and they went off. And the way Daphne summarized the story was something like, and I'm sure quite a few men got hurt, but that doesn't matter. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Little Miss Arusha, honorable and righteous, courageous to do the right thing, no matter the risk to herself, no matter the cost. I think she learned a few things from the Bible because, as you heard Pastor Nan say yesterday, her Bible was so marked up, and over the 90 years of her daily Bible reading, it changed who she was. Which leads us to that last question. How can I become more godly? What kind of habits do you need to have, like Bible reading, like prayer, like accountability, church attendance, being in a small group? What kind of things that you can do regularly will change who you are regularly? So you become more honest, more honorable, more courageous, more obedient. This is what we learn. From Mary and Joseph. Let's pray together. God our Father. We thank you so much. For the lessons we've learned today. The stories we've considered. And how by your Holy Spirit. You've spoken to us. And God. We ask. Now. That with these various ideas in our mind. Of Mary and Joseph. And the stories that have been told today to illustrate truth that you'd speak to us. And that whatever you're calling us to do, that we would be obedient. And that we would take courage from you because you are God. And you have called us. To obey, even in a way that might be scary to us. Fill us with faith, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.